Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm, doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about the end of a 46-year streak for Jim Beheim and the future of Syracuse basketball. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is the Juice Online Senior College Basketball Analyst and 2003 National Champion, Andrew Cowie. Andrew, how are you today? Everything's great, Wes. How about yourself? Andrew, doing well, and I want to get you started on this one. Obviously, another disappointing loss to Miami over the weekend, and was particularly frustrating about the game was that Syracuse couldn't inbound the ball in the closing minute. That's not the first time that that's happened. We've seen this in losses to North Carolina and Wake Forest. What's happening in these inbounds plays that's causing this? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think really both Miami games are really are frustrating from a Syracuse fan perspective because you, you those games were, um, you know, looked like to be uh, in hand. You know, obviously, the first time we played Miami, um, we had a big lead, but that lead got cut pretty quickly in the second half. But still, um, you know, I, I think we, we would have expected to come out with wins uh, both times playing Miami. But... Going to your question in terms of uh, when it comes to the full-court press, I mean, as Beheim said, they're not a great uh, team in terms of breaking the full-court press because of, again, it goes to personnel, right? You have a point guard in Joe Girard who who can bring up the ball, uh, you know, one-on-one, you know, can kind of get by his defender or or bring the ball up, uh, you know, securely. But your two guard and your three guard, they're not ball handlers, right? Buddy is not a, you know, ball handler, breakdown, speed guy to get past get past the defender Cole as your three or Jimmy as your three depending on when you want to how you want to look at it um they're not either they're not ball handling type of uh playmakers guards you know quick feet you know get open real fast um and, and break down a, a, a press and and you're unfortunately you're gonna you know you, you're that's that these, these things can happen when it comes to full court press when 
Um, momentum is going in the wrong direction. And um, at the end of the day, they, right, they're still college kids. We're not talking about NBA players who who, who um, have the certain skill sets. And so, um, you know, that's one of, I think, obviously our um, – Achilles heel is we don't have, you know, a one, two, three, uh, guards in terms of quick, fast guys that just kind of really break down and press and, and get by people. And, and, you know, they, in Miami took advantage of that and, and other teams have taken advantage of that as well. It's also why we're not a great pressing team, right? We don't have those quick, long, um, super athletic, uh, one, two and three guards, uh, to kind of create a lot of turnovers from a, from a high press. So pressing in general, both us pressing and us trying to break a press, you know, is going to be our Achilles heel for sure. Andrew, this is the first time Jim Beheim has ever had a losing record in the regular season in his career, and it's likely that he'll finish with a losing record after the ACC tournament. That's a really big deal. He's been coaching for 45-plus years, and it'll be the first time since the 60s that SU will finish with a losing record. When you hear that, what comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously disappointing. It's been a, a tough year, and it, I think it's just been one of those years where it's just like it's just frustrating because there has been games that have just kind of we're not used to just the, like the game over the weekend and just kind of giving that away, you know, up seven with what a minute and four seconds, you know, to again the North Carolina game, the Miami game in Miami, um, you know, especially when when we're talking about uh, you know with Buddy being a senior, Jimmy being a, a senior, you have Joe Girard that's obviously experienced, you know, those type of kind of uh, mistakes or kind of faltering at the end or giving up big leagues, um, you would you would expect from a maybe uh, a team that was full of freshmen or something like that. And so it's, it's frustrating. Um, but, you know, we also – there's so many things that go, in, go into it when you look at it as, in terms of transfers, you know, over the summer – you know, if if Quincy doesn't transfer, does that mean Jimmy is coming off the bench? And if he's coming off the bench, well, that's a pretty good six man right there. I mean, I, I was really impressed with him all year. You know, he 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 had some tough games, but you know, he single handedly probably won the game for us down uh, in Florida State in Tallahassee. So, but if if he's coming off the bench versus uh, starting, does that change the dynamic of a team? Um, you know, same thing from the guard perspective, right? You know, transfers obviously hurt us from a guard perspective. Um, and so all these little things kind of have, you know, play a role in terms of just, you know, the team just looking slightly different if certain things like that work out. And, and you know, a game here, a game there, you know, goes in the wrong direction. We also, right, we, we go on an awesome four-game win streak, Things are looking good. We're feeling a little confident. Team is getting confident. You're kind of hitting the stride, hitting a really good stride in the middle of February. And our most improved player, most improved player probably in all ACC, and Jesse Edwards, you know, we lose him for the season. And so it's just one of those uh, unfortunate uh, seasons that, um, you know, a lot of things went the wrong direction for us. Andrew, last week, Jim Beheim goes on Brent Axe's On the Block on ESPN Radio and says there's an ironclad succession plan in place for his eventual retirement. As long as you and I have been alive, he's been the head coach of Syracuse. So when you hear that, what do you think? You know, it's, it, it, it's funny. I've all, I get asked the question a lot just amongst even close friends or just, just in social settings. You know, it, it, people always think, oh, he, you know, he just wanted to coach his sons. And once they leave, you know, he's probably – uh, going to retire. And I've always been in the camp that, 
that he's going to stay longer than people think, not because because he just loves the game. He just has a to me. He's always had a passion. He's the most competitive person from a basketball standpoint I have ever met and seen. And for me, if it's if he's healthy, if he feels healthy both physically and mentally, then I don't I don't see why he wouldn't keep coaching. You know, it doesn't mean for another ten years, but why not for another three four years, especially given the past two years that we've gone through in terms of just the type of season with COVID and just, it's just been a very awkward uh, season, both recruiting and traveling and all that. It's just, it, you know, if you can get through the past couple years, well, you know, obviously things, obviously things are looking in a much better direction to where back to normal in terms of college basketball and traveling and recruiting um, that, you know, why, why wouldn't he stay another two, three, four years? Um, you know, as long you know, I, I think waking up in the morning, and being the head coach of Syracuse basketball gives him, you know, probably continues to give him purpose and enjoyment, and and he just loves the game so much and loves that competitive spirit. If everything from a health perspective is in good standing, I don't understand why he he wouldn't continue it. And the same thing when it goes to kind of the recruiting. I know people have kind of gone on on him in terms of you know recruits haven't been as good, or what about the recruiting class? I've always always been told, I remember, I couldn't remember if it was Coach Hopkins or Coach Weaver, who's now the GM of the Pistons, have always told me about Bayheim. It goes, once you get Bayheim in the room with the, with this, with the player and the parents, there's no one better than doing that. And you know what? He, I don't think he's probably had an opportunity to do that as often uh, the last couple of years because, because of the situation um, in, in terms of restrictions. And so um, to me, it, it's I've always been in the camp that if everything is health-wise, I, I don't see why he wouldn't continue for another three to five years. And Andrew, we'll get you out of here on this one. Reading in between the lines of that ironclad agreement, it appears that the head coaching position will go to one of the three assistants currently on staff because you can't have an agreement with someone like Mike Hopkins who's already contracted to Washington. One of those guys is Jerry McNamara. You played with him. You know him well. What do you think about Jerry McNamara as a head coaching candidate? You know, it's interesting. I mean, you have you have GMAC, obviously Adrian Autry, um, who who's been there, um, and I think is the, the lead assistant. He, to me, and even Coach Alan Griffin, I've, I've been lucky that I was teammates teammates with both GMAC and Alan Griffin, and obviously have opportunity to uh, meet Adrian a number of times and talk with him. I, um, so either way, direction they go, I think we're in great hands. You have people who are passionate about the game. I'm always a fan. I'm a little biased toward toward guards, right? Because I always feel like guards have to see the whole floor and and gotta gotta you know make sure everyone gets involved and have to be you have to be understand that not only your position but the people the forwards and centers to make sure it's all kind of working. So you have you have three great guards right there as assistants. So if they went Adrian Archie direction or the GMAC or however. Um, kind of direction they they weren't I mean I think those guys have an eye for talent have an eye for kind of teaching in terms of um, skill levels I know Beham has always been a big proponent of you know he likes very skilled players right he always liked um, like a Preston Shumpert a teamwork that weren't just kind of um, fit in one position but had you know had skills that they could play multiple roles a three a four a two you know obviously no you know unique situation as well so um, you know, seeing, knowing those guys in terms of their high basketball IQ, um, and then just the kind of skill levels that they brought from a, from a playing perspective and what they see from a talent perspective, um, you know, gives me, uh, you know, 
really positive and I think you know it's only going in the right direction when you, when you got that, that type of energy in um in terms of in terms of the program and then being part of the program growing up in the program so um I think it will be in great hands no matter no matter what the direction they go if they stay within the family with with one of those three guys so who knows if it's next year you know or two years three years again I'm still in the camp that, that I think he's going to be there for another three to five years because I, I think he just loves it. And, and as long as everything is going well from a health perspective, both physically and mentally, um, you know, my expectation is next year, next basketball season, when we're celebrating our 20-year anniversary of national championship, is that, you know, uh, when we go up there to celebrate that, that, you know, he'll be the head coach. Andrew, thanks again for coming back on the program. Again, former Syracuse guard and the Juice Online senior college basketball analyst, Andrew Cowie. Andrew, thanks so much for your insights. Appreciate your time as always, and we'll speak with you soon. Sounds good, Wes. I appreciate it. Always great to catch up with Andrew, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online editor-in-chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, Syracuse with another brutal loss on Saturday, losing to Miami 75-72 to at home. Syracuse just couldn't handle the press. They had three turnovers in the final minute and once again blew a late lead at the end. What did you think of the loss? I use this analogy, Wes. You know the old uh, saying, when you see a car accident, you can't keep your eyes off it even though it's tragic? I, I just could not <laughs> believe what was unfolding in, in the final minute of, of this game. I mean, you could not even write this in a script that this was going to happen. And I'm befuddled because didn't we see this play out in the game at Miami back in January? Obviously, Jim Beheim, his staff, and the players knew what was going to be coming as the momentum was shifting in this game. And Miami, with the better athletes on the court, was going to use that advantage from a defensive standpoint and from the pressure standpoint, which completely flipped the game to knock Syracuse off its heels and really discombobulate the play from inbounding the ball after a Miami basket, getting it across half court, and then getting into some sort of offensive flow that would produce a good shot. Give all the credit to Miami. I mean, think about it. You're down 18 points early in the second half. Not a tremendous crowd for the home finale in the Dome, but certainly a a crowd that was doing its best to spur the orange on. I thought they could have done a better job and been been more into the game. But give Miami all the credit for, for staying composed, staying within themselves to come back and win that game. And as I mentioned uh, in reporting on it in our Instant Juice column after the game, I just really felt so bad for the players, especially on senior day. Here you have all of that pomp and circumstance, players being honored, saluted before the game, uh, a nice ovation for uh, Jimmy and Buddy Bayheim and, and for their dad, the coach, for uh, all he's done and all Buddy Bayheim has done in four years uh, with the program and his meteoric rise each season to capping off by being named to a first-team All-ACC selection. Jimmy Bayheim giving it all, not the greatest athlete on the court, but a fundamentally strong basketball player, doing his best in the minutes that he was given, uh, and the other players to be saluted. And now the memory is our final home game in a Syracuse uniform. You know, we gave up a big lead and lost the game unbelievably in the final minute seven of the contest. 
So those are my thoughts. It's tough to have momentum now to go into the postseason tournament in, in, in Brooklyn and the ACC tourney, but let's see what you know Jim Beheim and the staff can do. Let's see if the players realize that they still have at least one game to play. Uh, there's something to play for, you know, win and get a shot to, to take on the best team in the ACC and Duke. So it'll be very interesting to see in the tournament this week. Brad, you've covered Syracuse athletics since the 1970s. So you've been with Syracuse over the better part of six different decades now. Barring a deep run in the ACC tournament, this is going to be the first time that Jim Beheim has had a losing record in his long, illustrious coaching career. Put that in perspective for us for him to have a losing record. Well, Wes, I don't know the exact percentages, but if you're a Syracuse basketball fan under 50 years of age, you've never seen a non-winning season in your lifetime. Think about that, going back to 1970-71. So putting it in perspective, it's just unheard of. Syracuse basketball fans have been spoiled this past half a century uh, and you have to go back to 68-69, Roy Danforth's first season, in which a Syracuse team lost 16 games in a season. You know, way back in the early 60s, Syracuse basketball was the worst program in the country, a 22-game losing streak back in the early 60s. So once Jim Beheim and Dave Bing came on campus and the team went to the uh, one game short of the Final Four in 1966, Fred Lewis left, Roy Danforth came aboard, and Jim Beheim came on as an assistant coach. That was really the start of everything 50 years ago, and they haven't looked back. As I had written in an Orange Watch column earlier in the season, since 70, 70, uh, since, excuse me, since 71, 72, there's only been nine seasons Syracuse basketball has not been in the NCAA tournament. So, it's just incredible to think that Syracuse basketball in any year under Jim Beheim would not have a losing season. So in historical perspective, it's certainly a first of its kind. And as you and I talked about in early February, the irony of the fact that this happened in a season in which he coached both of his sons cannot be lost because that meant everything to him, as it would to any father being able to coach his sons on a team. And this is just one of those years that you have to hope for. The talent influx comes in with next year's recruiting class. There's a couple of uh, players that may be involved in the transfer portal. And as we seemingly think, Jim Beheim has indicated he'd be back next season. Let's see what he can do as an encore to come back from this losing season turn it around and put Syracuse basketball where it's accustomed to be. And that's winning games. And Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Spring has sprung, Wes. I'm really excited about the start of Syracuse spring football practice. And it's kind of a opposite twist. Football has been struggling for so long. Each November we would say, boy, we're looking forward to the basketball season because the football team has been you know, having trouble winning and getting to bowl games. Now we see that the basketball team is struggled and having this losing season, and as you indicated, may not even end up being eligible to play any more games after the ACC tournament. So really excited with the offseason changes that have occurred with the football team, 
really excited that the team is now going through practice in March and will be really interested in watching the, the spring game on April 1st. And I stress the word game because for finally, for the first time in a number of years, it's going to be played more like a game, not an extended practice. So really excited that football is back and excited about the prospects for the team with the, the players that have come in, the recruiting classes, the new coaches, and Dino Babers on notice that he's got to produce winning football at Syracuse. Brad, my closing thoughts are on quarterback Lenora Sellers, who became Syracuse football's first 2023 commitment over the weekend. Sellers had previously committed to Virginia, but with Syracuse hiring Virginia's old offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, Sellers decommitted from Virginia back in January and made his flip to Syracuse official over the weekend. Sellers is a three-star quarterback, according to 24-7 Sports, and the earliest commitment the Orange has received from a quarterback in the Dino Babers era. It continues Dino Babers' nearly perfect offseason as Syracuse tries to end its three-season bull drought this fall. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang asking you why we yell surprise at surprise parties. You don't have to tell me how to feel. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice and the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network.